Welcome to Mosaic Podcast. We hope you enjoy the following recording from Mosaic Church, Leeds, based in the United Kingdom. For more podcasts and information on Mosaic Church, please visit mosaic-church.org.uk. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you all. Good morning. You can say that if you want. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here today. Just before I start preaching, just want to get you up to speed with uh, just where we're at in terms of... Uh, uh, our family of churches that we're a part of called New Frontiers. It's about 1,500 churches worldwide, and we are part of that family. And about five years ago, it split into sort of a number of teams uh, across uh, this country and uh, internationally. We've not actually sort of been in one of those teams. We've been sort of just cracking on with building a church here, planting churches. Uh, but in the last sort of six months, especially, we felt that we've wanted to sort of try and find a better place to connect in, to be part of something bigger. And so we've now sort of joined one of those teams. It's called Catalyst. It's led by David Devonish. He uh, is coming to Love Nations. So if you come to our conference in March, you'll get to meet him there. Fantastic guy and a fantastic team. And so it just feels like uh, for us, especially as leaders, we go away for training Go away for days of prayer and fasting, and we'll be able to sort of feed back to you some of the things that are happening further afield. Two stories, because uh, uh, Dave and I were at a meeting on Thursday with the Catalyst leaders. Two stories that stood out to us was, uh, one, David Devonish, about 20 years ago, was in a meeting just like this. And he felt God speak to him about someone who was in the congregation. This guy actually had six kids, family man, he was a social worker. And he felt that God wanted to say that there's a promise of Abraham over your life. So he obviously saw they had six kids, but he felt that there was going to be thousands of kids somehow. He was going to be a father to those kids. Um, He'd not seen of him uh, for quite a while, but uh, uh, just recently he caught up with him. And this man has subsequently moved to China. And God had elevated into a real position of influence with the government And so he is uh, sort of the special advisor to the government on children's welfare. And in the last few years, he's had the privilege of implementing a scheme where they rehouse orphans with families. And to date, this man has seen 300,000 children that were on their own in in orphanages rehoused with their family, with new families. The Chinese now call him, they've got a Chinese name called, uh, and the, um, uh, what the name means is man with as many children as stars in the sky, which is the promise given to Abraham. And so it's wonderful to hear the fulfillment of that prophetic word, but also the massive impact this guy's having in the marketplace. We also heard about a church in Coleraine in Northern Ireland. Um, there was a speaker from that church. They've seen in the last year something like about 2,000 people uh, pray prayers of commitment to Jesus. They're seeing sort of like a, a mini revival. It's had a big impact on their small community. One in 30 of their town go to their church now. And uh, they really impact in uh, different areas of society, but they really invest in their kids. And one simple story was from uh, a young person who was on his first day of secondary school, going into year eight. It's quite a nerve-wracking day, if you can think back that far. Uh, You know, you're just looking out for yourself, really. But this uh, young man, so impacted by what God's doing in the church, um, his first move was to chat to his new teacher And he said to her, he said, this day must be the most stressful day of the year. Can I pray for you? And 
those two stories, you know, in the big things, but also in the small things, are great examples of what it is to be sought and light, what it is to make a difference in the everyday. And that's, you and I know that's exactly what we would like to do here in Leeds. And uh, I was just super, super encouraged by hearing what God's doing, not just obviously in our family, but in the, the family that we're a part of. And we'll try and keep giving you some updates of what, what's happening further afield as part of New Frontiers. Right, I'm going to start preaching now. Um, this talk goes hand in hand. Um, it goes hand in hand uh, with a talk that I did two weeks ago on the big vision of the church. So I talked a couple of weeks ago about what God's doing across our three gatherings. Today, uh, it's my privilege to talk about what we're doing here at the North and give you our local vision. So if you're new or just a visitor today, hope this is much, it's probably more sort of a practical talk about what we're actually doing uh, than a normal preach, but I hope you find it helpful. And for the rest of us, I really appreciate you being here and I hope this sort of gives us some clarity uh, for the next 12 months. Um, if I could summarize the gist of what we feel as a leadership team that God is doing right now with us, I would describe it like this. And I would tell the story of um, something that happened to me in, I actually had two years out between school and university. And I traveled for a year and I worked for a year. Uh, but looking back, I really struggled spiritually during that time. And I was really gripped by fear, fear of everything. And it made me very apathetic. It meant that I never took any risks or did anything out of my comfort zones except one thing during those two years. For some reason, I decided to do a parachute jump. A friend of mine uh, was doing one for charity and he asked if I would join in with this jump. And I said yes, and then it was only later I realized that meant me jumping out of an aeroplane. Uh, we went for the weekend, uh, got really well trained, and it came to the jump itself. We went up in the plane, and uh, we were all sat waiting for us to be called to the door. I was number two, so I was second to jump. And you wait for the instruction, number two to the door, and I get to the door. And the door, when I say door, it's actually a big hole in the side of the plane. And you have to... Let's see if I can do it here. If you imagine this is the hole in the plane, this is the air and the sky, and that's the plane, you have to position yourself so it's, it's, you're right on the edge of the plane. If I can be so bold as to say one cheek on, one cheek off. And, um, and so you're sat on the edge of the plane and you wait for the jump call. So the jump master says jump, and then what you're meant to do is you're meant to launch yourself into a star shape and you're to count three seconds. So you say 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, check canopy. That's obviously a fairly important part of the jump is to make sure that your canopy is unfold properly. Now what's funny is looking back, the guy that was the number one who was my friend who went before me, when he got to the point where he was on the edge and they told him to jump, um, he got a little bit confused and what's wonderful is um, for um, to remember the occasion, they put a camera on the back of the wing just by the door. And so when you are in that shape there, a, a photo is taken and you have your photo of you with the canopy just unfolding. My friend got so confused that when he was told to jump, he forgot the star shape and he just dived out like Superman. And so, obviously, he had the best photo out of all of us because he was literally in this Superman pose coming out of the plane. 
and uh, very fortunately I landed safely and I enjoyed approximately three seconds of my parachute jump. It was probably the bit actually when I landed. But uh, if I was to summarise how we feel about this coming year is that spiritually it's time for us as a gathering to jump. Dave and I sense we're at a tipping point. We've reached sort of a corner in the road where despite our fears, despite our weaknesses, frailties, hang-ups, we're at a point where we're to put our trust in God and ask him for more. To quit playing it sort of safe on the ground and leap into God's promises for faithfulness and fruitfulness. If there's a sort of a, a catchphrase for what we sense for this year, it's not just about our faithfulness, but we want to trust God for his fruitfulness. Where many of us have spent years sowing and sowing and waiting for the fruit to come, we want to say that together we want to trust God for more. We want to trust for the fruit and the change to come. And wonderfully, that's not our responsibility. God decides whether the fruit comes. But I know if we are willing to be bold and ask him for, to move in ways that he's not done before, we will meet him in the journey. There is an adventure waiting for us if we courageously believe in our God and ask him for more. And it's not so much about working harder, but rather changing our posture and our expectation, asking God to work harder on our behalf. Everyone with me so far? So that's what we sense God's doing just generally, that it's time to get on the front foot, it's time to be expectant, it's time to trust God for fruit. And listen, if you're on the edge a little bit of our community, if you're new, then we wholeheartedly say we don't want to jump without you. And so we want you to sort of hold a hand and for us to go together. And so very much I want uh, at the end of today for all of you, no matter sort of where you're at in our community, to feel that together we can move forward with this. So the two things that I guess are our goals or what we're asking God for for this gathering are these. Number one, uh, I want to trust God for growth. So I would like us to pray for the next 50 people that are going to come and join our church. Last week, uh, you might remember we had our Thanksgiving services. We had an extra sort of 40-odd people in the room. And that gave us sort of a good feel for what it's going to be like. If you just look around you now, we are pushing right to the back row at the moment. Really, the next 50 people means that we fill out this place. The band are probably going to need to go on the band, uh, on the stand, up. Uh, on the stage and, uh, and but the buzz the feeling of momentum the number of non-christians with us in the room was just tremendous last week and i hope that gives you a picture of where we'd like us to be in the next few years is the next 50 people and secondly we're going for multiplication so this sounds a crazy thing to do but as we grow this time next year at the earliest we would like to send a team of people to help plant a morning service nearer the city centre with our uh, High Park Headley gathering. So High Park Headley are multiplying and we would like to join in with that and send a team from here. So more on that bit later, but there are two very normal goals, growth and multiplication, if we're trusting God for faithfulness and fruitfulness. So what does the Bible say about believing God for growth and multiplication? Well, can we turn to John chapter 4? I've got a few things I want to draw out from this passage. John chapter 4. In the New Testament, we've got this on the screens if you've not got a Bible. But please do open it up if you've got a phone or a Bible so you can see 
just the whole text. Jesus uh, has just finished talking to the Samaritan woman at the well, and she's gone back to her hometown to witness uh, about this man that has completely changed her life. The disciples were in another town, and they'd gone to get lunch. And they had come back, and they were now encouraging Jesus to eat. However, Jesus, at this point, is so excited about the breakthrough that he's seen with this woman at the well from Samaria that he's too overwhelmed to eat. Verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat so that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me to accomplish his work. So they say, in effect, Jesus, it's past lunchtime. Eat. We've gone and bought you something. Just eat something. And Jesus says, Actually, I've already been eating. My food is to do the will of the Father and accomplish his work. So I've just spent the last half an hour talking to this Samaritan woman about her need for salvation. And I tell you, brothers, I'm full. I've eaten. Now, I wonder when was the last time you were so excited about God's plans that you didn't eat or didn't feel the need to eat. You see, when we give ourselves to God's mission locally and globally, God pours more life into our souls. I don't know if you found that to be true. The more you give out to him in the pursuit of mission, the more he gives in return. In giving life away to others, God pours life into us. Amen? Has that been your experience when you've stepped out and done that? You know, for some of you, perhaps if you feel dry or hungry or distant from Jesus, it may be that you've stopped giving him away. You've stopped finding yourself in that place where he, in return, meets with you. Now, you may say that sounds good. Okay, so I give away, but you don't know how hard it is with the people that I know. There's a deadness and a dryness with people that I try and witness to. So what hope can Jesus give us? Well, verse 35, do not say, do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. So in ordinary harvesting, there's a a sowing time and then there is a reaping time and the interval between the two is fixed. But Jesus says in verse 35, "When uh, when you say there are four months till harvest... You think of fixed, unchangeable times between sowing and reaping, but that is not the way that he wants to look at at mission. He's saying, don't sow and then go back to your ordinary tasks with no expectation. Instead, Jesus says, lift up your eyes. I'm getting rid of the time lag. No sooner sown than reaped. No sooner sown than reaped. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, no sooner sown than reaped. No sooner sown than reaped. In other words, in other words, I want us to look at our workplaces and our streets and our families, our church, our intro course with this sort of faith. No sooner sown than reaped, faithful and fruitful. Now, in ordinary farming, the farmer who sows the seed also gathers the harvest. But look at verse 37. For in this case, the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you've not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Others labored and didn't harvest. 
But you didn't labour in sowing, but harvested. He's saying that sowers have done the hard work and you are now the reapers. You haven't done the hard work, but you're getting the reward. This is tremendously good news for us. Some of you might have seen this little table before. If we could have the next one. It's called the Engel Scale by a guy called Engel that came up with it. And it's basically the movement of someone who is far from God, a minus 10 or minus 9, someone that's got no God in mind, no sort of experiencing emptiness, a vague awareness of Christianity, and their journey towards faith and repentance, which is a zero, which is what it is to become a Christian. You put your hope in Jesus and repent from a life away from him, and then you grow as a disciple till you're starting to effectively share your faith and your life. And where this is so encouraging is that it shows us that as we move along the line in terms of people coming closer to Jesus, someone going from a minus nine to a minus seven or a minus eight to a minus four is just as valid, just as faithful, just as important as someone going from a minus two to a zero or to a plus three. So that's great in terms of uh, many of us feel disappointed with evangelism in that we don't get to see people cross that zero where they show repentance and faith. But many, many, many of us are involved with moving someone from, say, a minus nine to a minus five. But listen how John 4 impacts the way we see this. John 4 tells us that in the kingdom of God, God is in charge of the harvest. That takes the pressure off. Secondly, he gets rid of the natural time lag between reaping and harvesting. Thirdly, he calls us all to be reapers as well as sowers. And he promises that we will reap where others have sown. So this means God can turn a life around from a minus eight to a plus two in a moment. Minus nine might seem far off. And you might know people that you would say they're definitely a minus 15 They're so far from God. But in a moment, God can change that situation. God may bring also people across our paths that are a minus two, minus one, and we get the privilege of reaping where others have sown. We must sow, but the harvest is God-dependent. And that, to me, is a real encouragement to sow in our allotted fields and expect a harvest. So how are we working this out in North? How are we sowing into different fields? Well, I would say there are eight fields that we currently sow in. And we've got this little diagram here to show you the different places our 11 mission groups are sowing. So we've got, we've got our youth, the older generation, parents and kids, the underprivileged, North Leeds, students, everyday mission, and the nations. And they're the main fields that we as a local gathering are sowing in. But I want you to to draw your attention to just a couple for this coming year. Firstly, the youth. Uh, Last year's special offering meant that we were able to employ a youth worker. Uh, Hannah Mackley has now started uh, as our youth worker. She's now doing sessions on a Tuesday evening and on a Sunday morning. And I'd love you to pray for her work and the team's work amongst the youth. We would love to see, wouldn't we, a number of our youth Clearly come to know Jesus, get baptised and be a part of our community. They go to something called New Day in the summer, which is a bit like Soul Survivor, if you've heard of that. A big gathering of about 7,000 kids all in one place, 
worshipping Jesus wholeheartedly? And would you pray for them as they invite their friends into uh, what they're doing as a youth team? But also, would you consider inviting people you know that have got teenage kids? It might be that you've got friends that are wondering what to do with their kids, how to spiritually input them. It might be people you know have got kids in that age group that would come on a Sunday because their kids are getting some sort of spiritual input. So we really want to invest in the youth field this coming year. Secondly, we want to invest in our students. Um, we uh, have prayed for a number of years now for students at Trinity University to get involved with the church. We've now got a good core of five or six people that are our students that are coming, and we're really, really excited about that. Do you want to just wave if you're a student here? Just so everyone knows. Oh, that's very bold, waving everyone. Well done. Sorry, you didn't know. They sort of all wave. They're here. And uh, very proud of the fact that they're students. And we want to do a great job welcoming them, don't we? We uh, really want to serve these guys because we see the potential in them, but also the potential to reach other students. If you're interested in doing some student lunches, having these guys back or taking them out for lunch, then please come and see me or Dave. And Dave and I are very keen to get a team together to serve these guys. We, at the very least, we want to serve the CU, the Christian Union on campus. But it might be that we can get a mission group going that particularly addresses student needs. And we would love to see and equip them to uh, reaching their friends and sowing the seed of the gospel there. So our students, we're going to be investing in them this year. The older generation, I don't know a better way to classify this group of people. But they're people that have got kids that are probably grown up now or that have married themselves. They've got grandchildren. They're in that stage of life where kids have moved on or they are starting to think about retirement or are retired. And you guys know that we absolutely love having the older generation amongst us, don't we? Those of us who are younger. Yeah, like one woo, lots of nods. Um, that's good for North, actually. That's quite exciting. That's ecstatic. Um, so we're so pleased, and we really do recognize it's very difficult for the older generation to connect here. Because when they come on a Sunday, everyone just looks so much younger. And we are so desperate to receive their knowledge and their experience and wisdom. We want them to be our spiritual mums and dads. We want to learn how to build a strong Christ-centered marriage from them. But you also need to know that they need to connect with people their age as well. And so our hope is that we're going to start a mission group, particularly serving these guys. And again, if you're interested in really serving the older generation, then please let us know because we would love to serve them well. Then I just want to draw your attention to parents and kids. That's a field that we're excited about. There's lots of things happening for parents and kids. We have a mums and tots uh, that Sue's Dory and Emma Mitchell uh, do a fantastic job with. We'd love to pray that they can connect, uh, work out how to make that connection between their relationships with lots of people that don't come to church, other mums or parents with kids, and then bringing them into the life of the church. We obviously have a brilliant kids work here on a Sunday. Uh, Emily uh, Swingler is doing a brilliant job in putting that all together. And kids generally love coming to church, don't they? Our kids love what happens here. And so there is a real opportunity for parents with kids to reach out to friends that are far from God. Last uh, week's Thanksgiving service, there was about 45 guests and a whole group from NCT that were invited. And they all came and really got to experience church life together. 
If you've got ideas of thought or thoughts on reaching parents and young kids, then again, we'd love to hear from you as we feel that's a field that we're meant to be sowing in. My sister uh, was converted at the school gate about six years ago because a mum took an interest in her, befriended her and shared her life and the gospel with her. And there's many more mums at the school gate that we're to reach. Very quickly, North Leeds, we're going to start our Horsforth group, but our vision is to see other mission groups start geographically. And then I just wanted to put in the nations of the world so we don't forget that that is our call as a church. Many will stay, but so many as well will go to the nations. Uh, Larry and Leah were the first couple that we sent church planting in Zambia last year. And uh, perhaps you are here this morning and you know that uh, you're not meant to stay in Leeds for all of your life, but at some point you're called to go. Well, we really want to get behind you. We want to invest in you. If I could just draw attention to Ross and Emily. Ross and Emily, just wave at us here. You don't know what I'm going to say yet. But I just wanted to say Ross and Emily are a brilliant couple. And they came to us. Uh, will you take this? Really, you're happy with me saying this. Um, they came to us from having done their theological training, started to get involved and felt a call to go at some point. But they very much have humbled themselves. They've put this sort of sense of call, just we trust God with it, but we, we're here for now. They've put their roots in. They've got involved. They've joined a mission group. They've got involved with the training that we do. And I just think they're a brilliant example of what we hope for everyone who comes to us that have got a call to go to the nations. Because God wants to equip you and train you in this season so that you can be faithful and fruitful when you go. And something doesn't just change because you leave the country. You need to be living that life now. And we are, through the training school we run and everything else, we want to get people ready. So these guys, I think, are a great role model for just what we want to do with people that are called to go. And now all these things that we're doing, these fields that we are sowing into, it all leads into intro which is just starting in a couple of weeks. Please pray for fruitfulness. We saw about four or five people come to intro last uh, term that are now really sort of part of our community. And my prayer is that that number just keeps on growing. If we're trusting God for a season of fruitfulness, then I would love us to be a bit bolder in our prayers for what intro is going to look like. So please do pray for intro. Um, this is sort of our main strategy for growth and multiplication. This is how we want to grow. Sure, there'll be people that are new to Leeds that will join us as a church, but wouldn't it be great, everyone, just to, to really grow those next 50 people, the majority of which come through discovering Jesus for themselves and getting baptized added into our family. Amen? Amen. So you've listened so well. I'm nearly done. Three things that I'm going to ask you for. Any good preacher has three things to finish with, and me? And I've got three things, three implications for you. Because is everyone sort of generally happy with these two things we're going for? Growth and multiplication. Great. I'm getting 85% nods. I'll take that. If you are like up for that, then here are some implications now. <laughs> so number one, please keep sowing. Keep sowing, sowing, sowing. Faithfully living out the gospel. Helping people move down that angle scale. Uh, please pray. Many of you are called to pray. Please keep praying. We need you prayers. Many of you are called just to live a life of holiness that demonstrates Jesus to you, your co-workers and the people around you. But please keep on sowing. Keep on the front foot. Um, 
uh, Mark and Laura are a great inspiration. They've moved into their streets with a real desire to reach their neighbours. They've really worked hard at opening their home, going to people, not waiting for them to come to them. They got to invite someone to the carol service who came along. And it's just simple stuff. But they are like, actually, it's more than just me being in my house, in my street, and praying that somehow, miraculously, my street are going to get to know about Jesus. It's they're being, they're looking for that fruitfulness. They're taking that posture of expectation. I love it. I love the fact that uh, Tom is Tom is in the workplace, tough workplace, choosing to pray for his colleagues, gathering someone else to pray, and there was a tremendous encounter with someone who sort of barged into their prayer meeting at work. And it was embarrassing for everyone. But fortunately, Tom was like, no, let's pray. And they pray for a work colleague who's just overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus and the compassion that people like Tom had shown him. You know, I think of the hundreds of little conversations that all of us have that took huge courage. I was in a coffee shop uh, on Friday, surprise, surprise, and I uh, needed to borrow a charger from someone and I went and spoke to someone for the first time and I said oh do you mind can I borrow your charger and we just got into a conversation and I felt prompted to tell my testimony to this guy and you know I got so nervous and I I was just all a little bit shaky and the conversation was all a bit stilted because I suddenly was like oh my gosh this you know this has suddenly got bigger than just exchanging power cords this is uh explaining about and so I did I just talked about the experience I had with God and how it changed my life and I understand like the amount of courage it takes just to be faithful in sowing in those little things moving people from a minus seven to a minus six we've got to keep doing that guys keep on the front foot um so Let's not give up. Let's trust God for breakthrough. Please keep committed to your mission group. Keep pushing out together. And seriously, we'd love to accelerate what we're doing in those fields that I talk about. And if you want to get involved with those, please come and see us. Secondly, please start inviting. This is a massive ask. But we will only grow if we invite people in. There will be the odd few that invite themselves, but generally it takes a friend to invite a friend over into intro to our Sundays and to our mission groups. And we need to intentionally commit to this and probably take a few more risks. I read a story recently about this guy, William Wilberforce, a picture of him in his older life. And he obviously was a a politician who laboured 200 years ago for the overthrow of the slave trade in Britain. Wilberforce was surrounded by people in his day and age that were very hardened to the gospel. They were people that either went to a a nominal Christian school or uh, were involved in some sort of church that were very formal. And so he found talking about Jesus very hard. And the way he did it was that he would make a list of people that he was talking to about personal faith, a list of their names. And then he would put next to the names ideas of how to approach them on the subject of Christianity. He would call them launchers. And often when he'd spend time with people afterwards, he would sit down and just brainstorm. How can I open up a conversation with a friend so as to launch into a talk of religion and faith? And I find that remarkable, that this amazing guy, that this statesman that we look to that achieved so much in the abolition of the slave trade, yet at a very small practical level, He was like, I'm about sowing. I'm about sowing the seed of the gospel. That might not be your style, 
but we all need to be intentional about it. Our carol service was packed with guests, probably the most guests we've ever had, so thank you. Thank you, many of you are living in the good of this. But for those of you that have never either invited someone to a mission group or to a Sunday or intro, would you make it your goal to simply invite someone? Like this year, would you be brave enough to make the ask? And perhaps if you've done that, but you've not seen someone come, perhaps that could be your goal for this year, that someone that I invite actually comes to what we do. So either be brave enough to invite someone or to think intentionally, prayerfully, I would like someone I invite to actually come. Faithful and fruitful. And then lastly, and I'll close with this, send or be sent. My hope is that many of you decide to stay and invest in North Leeds for a long time. And you cannot underestimate the power of that. The stability it brings, the sense of family, where you guys just knuckle down to the basics. Love Jesus and his purposes with everything you've got. Commit to Sundays, commit to mission groups, commit to triplets. Where you just say, I'm here. You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to probably buy a house or I'm going to just commit long term. If God takes me away, so be it. But I'm putting my roots down. My hope is many of you feel like that. You know, if you do, then what we ask of you is to invest your gifts, your resources and invest in the vision of the church with everything you've got. That's what it means to say yes to being part of this gathering particularly um, in terms of your gifts, please think about serving. You've all got gifts to share with others and find your place to serve. In terms of resources, um, it's been quite remarkable, guys. This last 12 months, in terms of the giving at North, we had quite a bit of catch-up to do last year. And actually, in the last 12 months, our giving from this gathering has really gone up. Dave and I don't know who gives, but we just know the numbers have steadily increased. And for that, Thank you so much. But we do feel there is more in terms of our together generosity uh, in giving. We need as a church something like about £50,000 just to pay the bills this year. Uh, we've The move to multi-site has been pretty expensive for us. In the last few years we've been playing catch-up and we've still got about 50k to go in order just to sort of get to that paying for everything place. And that means there's a real opportunity for some of you to either start giving for the first time. I would say, Dave and I would say, the big ask this year is for those of you that give regularly to consider tithing. So moving from giving a sort of a smaller percentage of income to actually giving 10%. And we believe that that's a great place to start in terms of extravagant giving. Massive ask. I, I totally get it. With the pressure, we're all under financially. But I'd hope some of you would consider that as we move forward as a church. We really want to, uh, part of this faithful and fruitful posture for us as a team is that we, we've got a very prudent budget this year. We sort of cut back spending on most things. But the one thing we're advancing on is we would love to appoint a part-time kids worker in the South, the South Gathering. They've got 60 kids now. You can imagine the mayhem on a Sunday and they need someone who can be the Pied Piper and just get these kids together and also use that opportunity uh, to invest in children, but also to reach parents. So we'd really want to do that. And we can only do it if we see the giving go up. And I'm going to be speaking about that in a few weeks' time. So listen, please, if you're a stayer, if you're a sender, then please just keep pouring into the church as you 
already do in a multitude of ways. But if you're on the edge, this is my chance to say to you, we really want you in. We really want you a contributing member of our family. So please, like I cannot open the doors wider to you. We'll, if you need help, we will help you. But we'd love you to really sort of be a firm, stable foundation to what we're building here. But excitingly, some of you uh, may want to think about joining our multiplication into a morning service with High Park Henley. High Park Henley is an evening service currently. They are full of students and young people, which is brilliant for reaching students and young people. But we do feel a call on us to reach uh, parents and internationals and the older generation as well. And currently we just can't do that in our evening in the cinema. So we would love to step into a morning service. So we'd actually like to find somewhere, uh, if you can imagine the geography, from the city centre, you've got Kirkstall Road and you've got Otley Road going up towards Headingley. And in between Headingley and the city centre, between those two roads, that's somewhere where we would like to find a venue. And we'd like to move somewhere so the evening service and the morning service meet in the same place. And some of you uh, might want to be part of the team that goes to that morning service. Um, as part of this plan that we have here in the north to grow and to multiply, I'm getting more involved uh, locally. I'm getting more involved in the north. Uh, but then after a season of leading here, Pip and I are going to be the sort of the lead couple in moving to the morning meeting. And we'd love to not go on our own. We'd love some of you to come with us. But just to explain what's happening in our, your, the leading of the North, and I think this is it to finish. Um, Dave and I have been co-leading for about three years or so. And I think we've discovered now how to be a good team and how to work together, I hope. And... Uh, We've actually just sort of changed some of our roles slightly to hopefully get the best out of us to serve this gathering. So Dave is going to be a little bit more focused on the pastoral side and discipleship. And I'm going to be doing a little bit more leading on a Sunday and also sort of just clarifying like today our vision and our goals. We're going to sort of tweak Sundays a little bit. We have been. You might have noticed that. I'm getting involved more with intro. And I'm just for a season, I'm going to help North get clearer on our vision and take things from there. So I'm very, very excited personally to get a bit more involved locally, a bit more preaching, a bit more leading. And I hope together you'll, it will be a good team for you guys in serving. Um, and then, as I say, in about 12 months' time, you'll be sending Pip and I to plant a new service. So we are trusting God uh, for a new season. Uh, we're praying that we would have a new posture that we're confident that God will be faithful and fruitful, will reap where others have sown, and where normal patterns of waiting for the harvest is broken and then salvation breaks in unexpectedly. Does anyone know when the last revival was in Leeds? 1927. So... There may have been some little outbreaks that I don't know of, but the biggest sort of sense of breakthrough was in 1927. George Jeffries came to preach in Leeds. He preached at what is now the Carriage Works in the city centre. And over a two-week period, 2,000 people gave their lives to Jesus. They basically broke the church that was partnering with uh, that mission because there was too many people. 
but Bridge Street Pentecostal sort of emerged out of that revival. And in the basement of their new church that came on the back of that revival were all the wheelchairs and crutches uh, from people that were healed during those two weeks. And it became sort of a little museum of miracles. I don't know what God wants to do in Leeds, but I do want to trust him for something like that. I do want to sort of believe that God can do it in our day. And I believe as well that by trusting him for that sort of miracle and breakthrough, that there's an adventure to be had, whether he does it or not. And so very much our posture is changing, not just investment and consolidation, but on the front foot, trusting for growth and multiplication. And we can only do it if we do it together. And so my hope is that those of you that feel overwhelmed by the task, you'd feel our support and our love. And those of you that just want to run out ahead of everyone else will slow down just enough for us all to catch you up. But that's our prayer. Keep sowing, start inviting and send or be sent. Guys, I've preached for a very long time. Thank you so much for listening to me. Do you want to stand to your feet? We're going to have the band back as well. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, I think I'm up for this. Why don't you turn to the other person on the other side and say, I think you're up for this. Great, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this family. Thank you so much for what you're doing amongst us. Uh, I do pray for just clarity for us to really know that this is what you're doing, God. And I pray for wholehearted commitment to Jesus. And out of that commitment would flow a wholehearted commitment to the local church. God, please make us a family on mission. Please grow us. I pray for many people to be saved and added. And please help us as we look to multiply uh, towards the city centre. In your name. Amen. Amen. 